You are listening to Intrepid Healthcare's exclusive coverage of the HIMSS Annual Conference and Exhibition. Welcome to HIMSS 15 Direct from Chicago. Our coverage is brought to you by CTG Health Solutions, your trusted advisor for healthcare IT advisory and consulting services. And now, here are your hosts, Joe Lavelle and Rayanne Thorne. Welcome to this special episode of Intrepid Healthcare Live from the HIMSS 15 exhibition floor in Chicago. I'm your host, Joe Lavelle, and I'm excited to be bringing you Talk Each IT with CTG with my friend and co-host, Rayanne Thorne, from our remote studio right here in the CTG Health Solutions booth. Our fantastic sponsor, CTG Health Solutions, has provided healthcare IT operational and strategic consulting support to more than 600 healthcare organizations, and what a great partner they are. We could not be more excited to introduce our first guest, Dave DeBroncart, who many of you will know as ePatient Dave. Dave is a cancer patient and a blogger who in 2009 became a noted activist for healthcare transformation through participatory medicine and personal health data rights. He's as close as you come to a rock star in health IT, and it's an absolute privilege to have him on our show. A quick note from the editor. We interviewed Dave in the HIMSS 15 exhibit hall before the show opened on the first day, and unfortunately the recording of Dave's introduction and most of him providing his background was unusable due to the noise in the hall at the time. We join the conversation here at the end of Dave's introduction as he describes the situation of his care. That solved a problem I'd had in the hospital. It goes to Walgreens or whatever and gets your prescriptions and plans where what you have to take when. Wow. Right, which is a user-friendly thing that's common in most fields. But it's funny because the first time I was discharged during my treatment, a nurse practitioner gave me a schedule grid that she had drawn with a pencil and a ruler. Right? And I said, why didn't the computer do this? And she said, computers can't do this. Oh. Well, so I went back and I said, ah, open data, release the data right. and let innovators do it. Well, and so what happened, I poked the button to my hospital was the first one to offer a link to move your data into Google. And I blogged. I don't trust Google any more than I did, but I'm really interested in seeding innovation, yeah. seeding innovation. What came across was garbage. Wow. Conditions I'd never had, the oh ac- acne stuff I had, I did no dates attached to anything, aortic aneurysm. And it turns out what they had, well, every single person, including you two, should check your chart because most of them contain mistakes. Wow. And this okay. is not just a patient safety issue. No physician can possibly do what they were trained to if they're given wrong facts. That's right. I mean, my mother, when she was discharged after a hip replacement a few years ago, uh, was transferred to rehab, and somehow her thyroid condition came across wrong. She's hype-er, and it came across as hype-o. That changes everything. The best doctor in the world could have killed her. Wow. Right? But my two, there's this wonderful dynamic I call the alpha sister in many families. It's a middle-aged woman who steps in and says, all right, I'm in charge here. Is everything okay? Right, uh, And my, my two sisters said, could we see the chart? And the rehab place said, sure. And they found the mistake before any harm was done. Wow. So the people are mysterious about what is this patient engagement. 
Well, there you have it. Patient and family engagement, improving the quality of the data, improving outcomes and avoiding harm at no cost to the system. How could an average patient undertake this? What would what do well, they need to do? What's not average? Well, ask for your data. So you just ask the hospital? Ask your, your data, you ask are, your physician? So HIPAA is, of course, the, the law and then enormous piles of regulations right. that initially was intended, the IP in HIPAA is insurance portability. To, in order to move your insurance around, they got to move your medical records around. And for that, then all kinds of rules about being careful about it were written. And the rules are really complicated, and the penalties for screwing up are huge. So many, many doctors and hospitals are just paralyzed, and they say, no, you can't have your own data. And others say, yes, you can have it, but it will cost you a gazillion dollars. Well, and they're also allowed, because the rules were written almost 20 years ago, they're they're allowed to take three weeks or, or longer to get it to you, which when you're in a crisis... So the, the thing is, get your data now. You are entitled. It actually is a HIPAA is administered by the Office for Civil Rights. It is a federal civil rights violation for somebody to not give you your data. That's, so, that's they, incredible. And they have to fix mistakes. Oh, but they hard, it can take forever to do that. I mean, I found one chest X-ray identified me as a woman. <laughs> you know, and it took six weeks to get that fixed. Oh, no. So go ahead. So before we go, move on, I want to make sure everybody knows how they can follow Dave. You can follow Dave on Twitter at ePatientDave. Very simple. He is very active on social media. You also have a TED Talk that folks can watch about the efforts that you have proceeded on and moved forward with. And, and I'll turn the time back over to Joe. But thanks, Dave, for joining us today. Awesome. We spent a lot of time the last eight years screwing in EHRs. Has that made it any better, maybe with Meaningful Use too. So, you know, it's funny because remember I said typesetting machines? It turns out that uh, I worked starting in the 1970s in computerizing the newspaper industry. And, man, so there was a high-volume, high-time-pressure workflow you know, reporters typing on typewriters, copy boys, they were all boys, would grab the, the paper and run it to the editor and then to the typesetting department. And they, they started computerizing that. And at, for a long time, the workflow stunk. It was difficult. And more than once, I was brought into a publisher's office because I worked in sales and marketing in this IT-related field. And I was sat down and, like, I remember the Concord Monitor, Concord, New Hampshire, the publisher said, Dave, we've been publishing since, I think, I think it was the 1700s, maybe the 1800s. We have only been late once. So this is a usability story, okay? And that was November 22nd, 1963, when the president was shot a half an hour before press time. Right. It, It is not okay for these systems to make it hard for us to get the job done. Fix it. <clears throat> and where, I mean, I see signs all over the place here at Hims. Usability, usability, we're usable. Well, you talk to the people who use the systems and they say not so much. They're going to tend to not <clears throat> agree. Now, 
Now, now, Dave, when you joined us this morning, you seemed a little agitated, and I want to tap into that. I want you to talk yeah. <clears throat> about what has you frustrated today. What's going on today that you want to tell us about? So here I am shifting in my seat. And here we go. Here we go. <laughs> we love this. Putting on my game face and all that. <laughs> well, no, seriously, people have tried for years. I mean, there's a, there's a great woman from the Pacific Northwest named Sherry Reynolds, uh, who has been with, with Group Health and has done lots of work. And for a while, she worked at ONC. Uh, and she discovered that... So after years of work to put together the regulations that say that providers have to let us see our record and make it practical and view, download, and translate. And I'll tell you, this is all... It's not. It's for the patient's benefit, but it's also for the physician's benefit. No physician can possibly perform to the top of their training if they can't see the information from other doctors. All right. Well, so Makes the sense, the right? meaningful, of course, of course. Well, the the two regulations which have said that provider gets full credit if only five percent of their patient population has tried to view or download or transmit their information. 95% can ignore it and get full credit. Turns out that's too hard. We don't know how to do that. (laughs) How can we control what patients do? Well, you know, hospitals that say that, they they really ought to think about, not the hospitals, providers, they really ought to think about, do they have problems with what they call patient compliance on everything else? Do they think that all they need to do to be an effective provider of care to a sick family is tell them what they're supposed to do and walk away? Anyway, so so CMS published at 4.45 p.m. on Friday, buried in a pile of other changes. Uh, Let's change that 5%. Uh, You only have to get one patient to do it, and you'll get full credit. One, not one percent, one patient. So as somebody said yesterday in the patient engagement symposium, I was talking about this, and a, a hospital executive said, uh, well, so all they have to do is get their chief nursing officer to look at her chart on the screen, and they can say, we're good, we're out of here. Uh, and the, the problem is, regardless of what people say, I mean, Sherry posted on uh, in a comment on epatients.net, because you can believe we blogged about this overnight. Oh, yes. Uh, the, 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 well, uh, l- let me get back to the main point. Farzad Mostashari, who was the national coordinator for several years, worked hard to put together these regulations. Uh, and he gave the closing talk yesterday at the patient engagement uh, symposium. I wish it had been videotaped, but um, he spent the whole day somber thinking about this. Because it's important. And when he gave this talk, he didn't have slides. He wasn't scripted. He, he told about his mother, you know, who's in her older years and how every time they see a new doctor, it's really hard for that doctor to have a complete picture. You know, so this crap is interfering with his ability as an MD to help his mother. His own you know, mother. His own mother. Right. And so what he said was uh, that, that he, he said... Uh, we need uh, a, a national day of action. He wants to it. have a million patients call or email their providers on the same day. And Regina Holiday, the famous activist whose 
husband suffered. Uh, uh, nobody knows if he'd had full access and the best possible care if he would have survived. Uh, but he suffered, clearly suffered unnecessarily because information about what he needed was not in the chart or was in the chart and no doctors looked at it. Right. right? She said this is the modern civil rights movement. So people should look for actions like you saw in the civil rights movement in the 60s because this is not acceptable. And it affects everybody. It isn't just affecting those that are speaking out. It's affecting everybody. We really need well, to start paying attention. Ex- exactly well, the same as people who weren't active in the civil rights movement were affected right. by it. Dave, we all have a story. I, I, I love I, your story. I've got two stories from last fall. My, my story, ahead. my mother's story. We're, we're in this business, and it's happening to us. And sure. we, we think, I think, I flew down when my mother got sick, tried to yeah. be mm-hmm. the coordinator right, of care. Right, right, her advocate. As she gets sent from the emergency room, into inpatient, the physician talks about her uh, brain surgery, the ER physician, in his notes. She didn't have brain surgery. She passed out. Now, my mother is older and very sick, and she has cancer, and she has no hair. and So there's lots of things wrong with her, but brain surgery wasn't it. Exactly. <laughs> and so some doctor downstream has now got to figure out exactly. and go through these what notes. What happened? What did she go through? And thank God that, we, that I had signed all the paperwork, so as soon as records were available once a day, I'd go and get the records, and I'd go through them all. And I'd, when the doctor would come in, I'd talk to them each day. But Good. even then, you know... Who can afford to have that kind of advocate? Well, and how many of us are even how qualified many, How many to of be us that? have that kind of advocate, right? Well, and I, I want to make clear that this is, this is a culture change issue. Uh, last year, I gave, I'm a professional, this is all, I'm a professional keynote speaker now. This is what I do. And awesome. I, have the, I have this book called Let Patients Help, which is just a very short summary of the talking points from my speeches. One of them, and uh, being a marketing guy, I like cheesy slogans, right? <laughs> so one of them is people perform better when they're informed better. I, I like it. that. That's right? perfect. Nobody can possibly perform to the top of their ability if they don't have the facts, as I said. Uh, you know, uh, uh, another one is patient is not a third-person word. Your time will come. You've already experienced that. Right. So, yes. Well, and the, <clears throat> I spoke last year at... Uh, NBME, the National Board of Medical Examiners. They're the ones who write the exam that medical students have to take before they can call themselves MD. And I learned about something about the culture of medical education. Somebody came up to me uh, at the end of that and said, this has to be heard by the dean of every medical school in America. And that fall, I did a breakout session at AAMC, which is the Association of American Medical Colleges. And I... <clears throat> There is tremendous competition for what gets into the curriculum, and I don't in any way fault MDs for not knowing about IT issues that they were never trained for. Exactly. So this is, uh, again, my book is entitled Patients Know Best or Who Needs Doctors. It's Let Patients Help. And I know there are numerous physicians who are on board. We have this Society for Participatory Medicine. Uh, we have physicians on the... It was The co-chairs are my doctor and me, so this is not an anti-doctor movement. It's let patients help. Dave, the e-patient movement, it's happening. 
on our show. Absolutely. We have Regina tomorrow. Oh, you do? And the five, oh. uh, the five advocates that won the His Talk Scholarship are going to be on our show. Wonderful. So right. we, we, this is something we want to be a part of, too. Tell us some other things going on this week that we, we want to call people's attention to uh, here at HIMSS. Uh, I'm... I'm leaving tonight, so okay. I have not been tuned in. Well, we're okay, lucky to th- have well, you here. Here's, here's something you can, people who are not familiar with this, and Regina will fill you in on this. Uh, it's, it's funny. Now, so I, I want to define empowered. Okay, uh, I'm a child of the 60s. I turned 65 in February, so I was in Boston during the anti-war years, and feminism was coming through, and I got, you know, I came from a small town in Minnesota outside St. Paul, and I got my head packed full of all kinds of radical rhetoric, uh, and it somewhat bent my thinking, but obviously I didn't become a, an anti-establishment career hippie. I certainly know people who did, but uh, I... I was a marketing executive, you know, and but I, I got very clear: an empowered person is somebody who does not say "there's nothing I can do" because that is the expression of being powerless. Right. 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 I, I there's nothing I can do. Uh, now, yeah, if you're do you think plane, people can learn that? Oh, absolutely. I've seen it happen. Okay. Sure. Uh, it's a, well, and it's what in the '60s we called consciousness raising. Right, right. Just raising your awareness. Same thing happened in the women's movement, and uh, every, every right. generation starts to go through it. Like, that's it's funny because I I am looking for the e-patient equivalent of the movie Nine to Five. Because in like that, that movie, Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin and Dolly Parton. I mean, have we covered everybody? Right. right? Uh, Held gave captive. This entertaining right. story. Of, oh, this is what it's like when you talk to your girlfriends and say, did he say that to you? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So Yeah. And then you think, well, no, I'm not going to take that. We're raising awareness. Exactly. On what's happening. And it has been such a great pleasure to have you join us today. One last thing. Please. You could say that a woman who lived in a poor part of Washington, D.C., what could she do? She lives in Western Maryland now. What could she do to change health care? Well, she's a painter, and she painted a 60-foot mural about her husband's death on the side of a gas station in Washington, D.C. The British Medical Journal took a picture of it and put it on their table, a contents page. Then somebody said to her, would you paint my medical story on my jacket? I love and, this. And it's that such a great has story. grown to there are more than 300 of those jackets now. She'll paint the jacket for the story on your jacket for free if you just agree to wear it to conferences to spread the conversation. Such a great story. This that's advocacy that's taking place, this raising of awareness, empowered. raising consciousness, becoming empowered as patients, as professionals that work in this industry and we still still so much to achieve. Dave, as we start to wrap up, where can people go to contact you, learn more about you and the things you're doing? Well, as a marketing guy, I believe in having a consistent brand. Yes, sir. So, you are very yeah. good at that. At Twitter, Facebook, <laughs> everything, ePatientDave, and the website is ePatientDave.com. It has videos of past speeches and media articles. And It was inspiring and a pleasure. Thank you so much, Dave. We really appreciate it. Let patients help. Awesome. Thanks, Dave. We are coming to you live from the Hymns 15 Conference in the South Expo Hall at Booth 1580. Please stop by hashtag TalkHIT with CTG.
All right, and our live broadcast will return from Chicago right after this.